Hey guys, what's going on? Just wanted to give you a heads up and let you know um, I owe you a big apology. For the last few weeks, I have been without uh, functioning equipment, which is why you haven't heard a new episode from The Existential Man in that period of time. That being said, we've got it all replaced. We are all good to go, so we are back on track. I've got a number of episodes now that I can finish recording the intros for, including this one, which you are about to hear, and a couple more coming up. So once I get the final touches on those, you'll be seeing a, a few new episodes in your inbox and, and in your subscriptions here shortly. So thanks again for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. I hope you enjoy this episode with Charles Matthews. What is going on, guys? This is Matt with the Existential Man Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, guys, we got a great show for you. We got Charles Matthews. Charles is an author, uh, and he's got a book getting ready to come out called Redefining Masculinity. So we're going to talk to him about that and the work he's been doing with the Boys to Men Project in Arizona, as well as the working with men for the last 30 years, helping them become better versions of themselves. So guys, stay tuned. guys thanks for tuning in today we are on episode four and i've got a very special guest with me today his name is charles matthews and charles is a uh, he's an author he's got a com- he's got a book coming out uh this year so we'll definitely have to get more details on that from him but uh charles is uh he's got experience as a classroom teacher over 35 years experience as an educator wilderness guide and team leader Charles has mentored and taught thousands of teens and adults in effective communication, overcoming challenges, and compassionate leadership. Charles has a Bachelor's of Science in Education from Cornell University and has completed some graduate work in the application of nonviolent principles to education and leadership. Charles uses his skills in social media, strategic planning, and group facilitation to run a podcast production company and to promote sustainable community development. Charles lives in Arizona with his wife. And when he's not bouncing on stage, wrangling podcast guests, or furiously writing, Charles gets grounded and recharged in his small garden patch. So guys, without further ado, let's welcome Charles to The Existential Man. Charles, how are you doing today? Thank you so much, Matt. We're going we're gonna to be talking gardening today, right? Excellent. Yes. It's spring. Yes. It's spring. It's time to prepare the soil. It's time to get the compost spread. Hopefully the weather's warmer there where, than it has been here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, we're in the we're in the Central Highlands. It's sixty degrees and sort of partly sunny outside right now. But uh, I'm definitely awesome. starting to think about spending more time outside. That's good. I can't. I'm looking forward to when the warmer. Well, I guess it kind of started. It's been a little. It's been in, today and yesterday was in the fifties. So I guess I can't complain. Last week it was in the in the zeros in the teens. I know. So. I know. And our first <laughs> on our our kind of get acquainted call, you were you were you were hurting. Right. That was, yeah. It was like teens or something. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather, are we? No, 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 no. So, so look, okay, Charles. So I, I gave you the intro and hopefully I yeah. did you, did you justice yeah. because you Beautiful. really do have, you have a litany of wonderful experience that I think we can bring to the listeners of the existential man. So, um, is there anything specifically that I missed 
when I was introducing you that that you want to highlight before we get started? No, that was a, that was a beautiful intro. But and I think you know one of the things that I, I should highlight for you and your guests is the work that I've done most recently in manhood with both teen boys and adult men. So I, for ten years, I ran the the boys to men mentoring program here in Prescott, Arizona, and I helped start the national boys to men program that did group mentoring with teenage boys. So we bring in volunteers from the community, adult men of all ages to, to just try and sit and, and listen to young men as they start their process of trying to figure out who the heck they are, right? That existential process of like, who am I? How am I going to show up in the world? So we trained hundreds awesome. and hundreds of volunteers to do that and their boys to men programs from literally from Hawaii to uh, Washington, D.C. and up into Maine. Their last count, there were 30 of those. And then I've also been active in the Mankind Project as a, as a participant and as a, a co-leader on some of their rites of passage weekends for adult men. And in fact, the boys to men program actually came out of Mankind Project, but that's sort of detail but yeah so i've been able to hang around with young men and men doing the the treacherous wonderful redeeming scary work of becoming more of who they want to be right and i i like that you put it that way because i think i think for a lot of men they can resonate with all of those terms uh, it is beautiful. It is wonderful, but it's also treacherous and it's dark and it's scary because there's a lot of unknowns. And I'm sure that you've, you've encountered that in your experience in both working, not just the teens, but even as full grown men, sometimes we get lost in this, this question of who the hell am I? And what in the hell am I all about? Like, what do I bring to the world and how can I be better for me and those around me? So can we talk a little bit more about like some of those concepts? So you, you talked about the, the boys to men project. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, wh- what does that look like? And if somebody wanted to get involved in that, how would they do that? Tell me more about that. Yeah, great. So the boys to men program is, it's all very locally based. So each boys to men center and all those different communities around, around the nation and around the world, there's boys to men programs in Germany, Switzerland, Australia. Uh, but they're all, so they're all connected to their communities. And so the communities kind of have a say in how it shows up, but how it, the common parts are this idea of group mentoring rather than one-on-one mentoring. So big brothers, big sisters is really common in the States, right? Uh, this kind of idea yeah. you get hooked up with one kind of big brother or one big sister, and you kind of grow up with them a little bit, maybe because your dad's not around, maybe because your, your home is in some, some chaos. But the the group mentoring is an attempt to replicate to a certain extent what happens in villages, right? It's it's an attempt to provide young men with kind of a wraparound of examples of different kinds of masculinity, different kinds of manhood. Almost like a tribal mentality kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to figure out one of the throwaway lines that we would use is, you know, trying to solve modern problems with ancient techniques. Okay. Yeah. So you don't you don't like that line or you do use you do like that line? When I say throwaway line, I mean it was just we would just toss it out. It didn't necessarily, oh. you know, it didn't necessarily make it onto my business card or whatever, but gotcha. we didn't we didn't take it too seriously. And so there would be, you know, outdoor programs, uh arts, uh, you know, everything from improv theater to to going fishing, whatever it was that the local community wants to do. 
of course, in Hawaii, they surf like crazy. That's kind of part of their program. Right. But then we would, the keystone of the Boys to Men program is the rites of passage weekend, modeled after a traditional or tribal rite of passage, the, the rite of separation. You got to leave your home. You know, you, okay. get your, you get your normal clothes taken away from you. Uh, the descent, and you kind of referred to that. You already used the word darkness when you're talking about trying to figure out how to become a man. The darkness and the unknown, the descent into into the unknown, that we would set up in all kinds of different ways. But basically, to go into the woods in the dark to some summer camp or up to some retreat center up on a mountain in Hawaii or out into the desert in Southern California or whatever, someplace where these young men haven't been before. Okay. To, create a little bit of that cognitive dissonance and to raise the stakes a little bit. Right. So like in my last podcast, uh, I talked about leaning beyond the edge of your comfort zone and that's where true personal growth really starts to begin or really, really starts. And so I like that concept of taking the boys out of what, of, of the familiar and, and putting them in the unfamiliar and, and, and learning how to, Maybe not necessarily get comfortable with it right away, but at least accept it for what is and and figure out how to navigate that. Right. I like that. I really like that. So and I think it's I think it's something that, that everybody's got to do. And, you, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording about the ways that you're stepping out of your comfort zone. Right. And I even before I got involved with Boys to Men and even before I got involved with Mankind Project, I was going through my kind of midlife crisis and my relationships were falling apart. My professional career was falling apart. Every time I would go out into the woods instead of feeling supported. I mean, that was my place, right? That was my jam, the woods, yeah. the rock climbing. That was where I felt most at home. But during that time, every time I would go out there, I would just start crying. I would just feel hopeless. And I ha- happened to find a mentor and therapist who also did wilderness uh, vision quests, wilderness rites of passage okay. for men. And so I went out and hung out in a canyon for eight days with this guy after doing a lot of work leading up. Yeah. And went way beyond my comfort zone into some really, really dark and treacherous places in my own soul. So, that so what did I you could... find? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what did you find is the question. Yeah. So I think fortunately, so, so two things that I found. Um, one is that I found that although my dad died when I was 10 and although I was bullied growing up, in, in primary school and middle school, that wasn't the primal wound. That wasn't the thing that effed me up the most. Can we, do we swear on this podcast? No. Yeah. Go ahead. I, okay. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That this was the thing. Ex- yeah. It yeah, wasn't, it wasn't explicit podcast. So go All ahead. Right. Awesome. Great. So, um, you know, it wasn't the bullying. It wasn't the loss of my father that fucked me up. It was the times that my dad looked at me with disdain and probably just a little bit of impatience, probably, you know, whatever. And that, that look probably went back to his dad and his dad and his dad. I find it showing up on my face. But as a seven-year-old, with my dad looking at me with disdain, my dad, my God, right? I mean, right. He's, he's, he's everything. There's, right. He can do no wrong. So the only, the only way that that seven-year-old could figure out what that meant was, that, well, then I must be terrible. If, yeah. he, if he has disdain for me, then I must be no good. So I was carrying that around with me, hidden away from everybody as much as possible. And it would show up in self-sabotage, shame, and inability to be vulnerable in relationships, inability to believe and take advantage of good fortune. Yeah. Because deep down, I believed that I was not lovable, I was not worthy, all this crap. 
And a lot of men carry that around. A lot of men, as, as I work with boys and men, so many of them are like, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not okay. Isn't it kind of fucked up how we, how we lean on the opinions of others to determine our self-worth? Right. Right. And I was leaning on the opinion of somebody who was also a flawed human being. My father, bless him to death. Like I said, probably got that look from his dad and probably also believed that he was unlovable, unworthy, couldn't really be a good dad to this kid who was like right. snarling the fishing line or whatever I was doing to deserve that look. Yeah. And we learn or we live what we learn. I, I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard that, you know, my mom used to use it as an excuse for my dad for some of the ways that he was disconnected from us and from the family. My dad, uh, my dad. So just a backstory about him real quick. And I really want to get back to you. But so I kind of understand a little bit of where that's coming from. My dad was one of those people where, number one, he was a workaholic. I've never met a man that had such a strong work ethic and dedication to what he did. Um, And that's both good and bad. I mean, it was, you know, he absolutely, without a doubt, never failed to provide for the family. But at the same time, some of the things that the family needed outside of the financial provisions, he wasn't able to provide because he didn't learn that from his dad growing up. Um, That connection, that that one on one time where it's just like, hey. Let me impart some of the wisdom that I've learned. Let me share some of this with you. And that is me showing you that I love you because I want you to be better. I want you to be stronger. I want you to be smarter. You know, all the things that we want deep down for our kids that we have a difficult time sometimes expressing to them. He was that way. He couldn't do that. And so. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. That sucks. So I've, he and I have had many conversations since the time that I left working for him, joined the military, went through that whole phase, like I'm not going to say phase, but that whole stage of my life and now coming back full circle, he and I have had some, some really good conversations kind of revolving around that. And, and I think now that he's retired, he recognizes a lot of the sacrifices that he made maybe weren't as much worth it as at the time he thought they were. Um, but the other thing too, and this is what led me to leave working for him was he was the kind of person where it didn't matter how good of a job you were doing. He felt like he couldn't tell you how good you were doing because then you would stop trying. And so it was always like, Hey, uh, you messed up on this. Well, what do you mean? I, I, I got this, 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 and this, right. What do you mean I messed up on that? Like, that's the only thing you're going to focus on, man? Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I love my dad to death. Like, don't get me wrong. And and like I said, he and I have had a lot of reconciliation regarding this, but it was hard yeah. for me when I needed that, when I needed that positive reinforcement, I couldn't get it from him. And it's it, when, kind of like you said, like your dad, your God, my dad, my idol, you know, it's like for me, the one person in that stage of my life that I needed the most reinforcement and, and from couldn't, it's not that he wasn't willing to, he just, that that's just not the way he learned. He could not do it. And so I totally get that. But anyways, yeah. I, I back to you. I just wanted to no, say, that's good. I that's, completely that's, that, understand. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I think when we talk about our dads and when we talk about our families and, you know, some, some folks want to say, you know, Let's let's not focus on our wounding. Let's not be you know pansies about it or whatever. And it's not to go and dwell in it, right? It's not to go and and you know 
be a victim and beat our chest. It's just to say like, okay, this, this is part of who I am. This is what happened. And this is what I'm dealing with. Right. And this is how I'm going to work to make it better. Right. I'm going to take accountability for that. Like I have to take accountability for the fact that I use that same disdainful face on my face. Right. And I give it to my wife. I give it to my nephew. Like, oh man, I don't want to keep passing this on. So I get, right. that's not my dad's problem anymore. Yeah. You know, that's, that's my accountability. You are now accountable to your family. Yep. To the people who are you are raising. And trust me, it is a it is a regular focus to not be that which I lived. Yeah. Um and again, I'm not you know, I don't fault him I don't fault him for what it was because I think I think and maybe maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but I think it's just now that we're really starting to focus on, you know, us as men, how do we become better versions of ourselves? I think for many, many years, the requirement was just go to work, earn money, put food on the table, go to sleep, do it all the next day. And that was the primary thing. But now we actually have the time and the ability to sit back and say, okay, like, Let's take some self-reflection time, focus on what I could be doing better and figure out a way to get there. I don't think yeah. men, I don't think men two decades, three decades ago felt like that was even a priority or felt like they had the ability and time to do that. Right. Right. And that's exactly when the mankind project started was, was 30 years ago, 35 years ago with some men who were finally at the point where they were able to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Now there's other, all kinds of other men's groups out there. Um, uh, mankind project. Q-Man, um, Sacred Sons, some others. And uh, so I think one of the words that you used just now was we. And I want to get back to, in a second, back to the canyon and, and, and let everybody know the other thing that I found there, because I think it's important for everybody here. Yes. But so that, that we thing is really important. And that one of the mistakes that men make in trying to become better versions of themselves is that it's something that you do alone. Or that it's no. something that you do by reading <laughs> by reading Tim Ferriss's books or whatever it is, um, or by you know engaging with your personal trainer or whatever. All of that's great, um, but my growth came from being with a group of men. Sometimes it was the volunteers at Voice to Men. Sometimes it was the guys at, at Mankind Project who could um, hold up a mirror to my to my wondrous bits, my my great bits, and say, Charles, you're doing fantastic that's awesome yeah don't don't listen to that voice that's saying you're not enough or hold up a mirror to me like dude you're you're kind of fucking up do you know that yeah I'm like oh really yeah you just you just said something to that guy in a way that was i think that came out of some woundedness or some weirdness what's going on for you you need another you need a snickers bar get him what do you need <laughs> um but so being able to do it in a group was was really important for me part of my self-loathing and i think a lot of men carry this as well is we see, I see, you know, the damage that men have done in the world to women, to children, to the natural world. And although I'm not responsible for all of it, I'm not responsible directly for slavery. I'm not responsible directly and completely for rape culture. I'm not, you know, responsible directly for the deforestation of the rainforest. But because I'm part of the the privileged, quote unquote, group of men, I'm responsible. I'm and I'm willing to take that on. And one of the things that I urge men to do 
is to go ahead and square your shoulders and take responsibility. Okay. And and not get defensive. When right. a woman when a woman says fucking rape culture, goddamn you guys, you guys are so lazy, you guys are so this or whatever. It's like sure, the natural response is to say, like, God damn it, these women, god damn it, these feminists, god damn it, these whatever's always telling us what to do. I'm saying, man, just just square your shoulders, right? Yeah. Just be strong. Be strong in that moment and be able to take that feedback, that rage, that whatever, and don't add to it. You might not be able to do anything in the moment for that woman, for that kid, for that rainforest, but just, just take it. Yeah. Well, and I think something important to recognize in that scenario is, is, um, you know, if it's not somebody that you are, are, directly familiar with and i i almost said intimately familiar with but i don't want people to get the wrong impression of what i mean by intimately familiar with but if if it's not somebody that you're directly familiar with like they don't know you well enough to be that that mad at you so they're i mean yes that you are taking the brunt of the anger on behalf of your pre-prescribed group whatever that may be yeah uh in our case it is you know, adult white men. Okay. Um, but if the, if you are not directly familiar with that individual, they're not angry enough. They don't know you well enough to be angry at you. They're angry at your group and you happen to be part of it. Um, so I get, I totally get that. And I may have done something. I may have interrupted somebody for the, a a woman for the third time in a, in a business situation without even being aware of it. Right. And she may have been interrupted all last week by other guys or by me. And so now she's she's pissed. She should be. Anybody with a decent ego should be pissed about being interrupted over and over again. So it's just like, oh, you know, I didn't see it. Wasn't aware of it. I think I do it equally to everybody. But hey. Wow. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. And there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of respect that comes with somebody who's willing or for somebody who's willing to directly speak their mind to the person who they feel has insulted them. I mean, like, I, I would respect somebody that said, hey, look, man, what the fuck? Like, you just did this to me, and I don't appreciate it. And and that's one of the things, it's like, because I talk about taking care of yourself, and I use care as an acronym, and, and the second one is, is um, assertion, right? Uh, you have to be assertive. And I don't mean assertive, like people get assertive and aggressive, completely confused very often. I don't mean yeah. aggressive. I don't mean angry. I don't mean overly boisterous and loud and, and almost violent in, in your interactions. I mean somebody who's willing to set boundaries, enforce those boundaries, but not expect something from somebody else. If they don't uh, want to follow those beautiful. boundaries. That's beautiful. Yeah. If you don't want to, if somebody doesn't want to follow the boundaries you're set, that's perfectly fine. That's on them, not on you. Don't take that on and then become aggressive because somebody doesn't want to follow the boundaries that you set. Let them go along their merry way. Don't you think that's like that's the most challenging adult skill I know of? Like right? doing, doing my taxes is like easy compared to setting boundaries with grace and and calmness and no expectations. Like, geez, <laughs> right? Can I go on some retreat where I practice that over and over again? Right. Well, yeah. I, maybe that maybe that's something that maybe that's something that we as as a group of men, in order to help further our personal growth, maybe that's something we need yeah. to focus on in our own lives. Yeah. Um, but I I don't like I know we keep going off on a tangent. I really want to get back to that second thing you found when you yeah. were 
in the in the woods. Yeah, and and it all relates because it's kind of it's kind of good news. It's kind of good news for man. It's a little it's a little you know to put it in. Uh, do I even want to say in religious terms? It's a little it's a little bit of gospel, right? It's a little bit of good news. Okay. And the you know the good news is that when and I'm not the only one who's experienced this is like when we allow our constructed ego, and in my case it was built around my relationship, my career, all these things that I thought I was good at to protect myself from this idea that I was unworthy, to protect myself from my father's disdainful look, all the stuff that I constructed. Uh, when I allowed that all to fall away by going out into the wilderness for a long time, by, by fasting, and there's other ways to do it. I mean, people go off and do ayahuasca. People go and do uh, long runs or saunas. I mean, I think I think the you know, saunas is probably nicer. Anyway, um, when we allow, <laughs> you know, when we allow the ego to get weak enough, what shows up is is what Michael Pollan calls the ground under ground. Okay. And he talked about it in his work with um, with psychedelics and and taking psychedelics oh. with you know with uh, with uh, a therapist and a guide there, and okay. finding out that there's something underneath this constructed ego that is really solid. Yeah, and I can get there sometimes if I if I take on a meditation practice for even just a couple of weeks at a time, even for just ten minutes of meditation a day for a couple of weeks, I start feeling that ground underneath the ground. I start feeling that place where I can stand that doesn't get sh- it's not sand anymore, right? It's not shifting sand. It's not mud. It's just like right. it's it's solid down there, Matt. And you know, some I I kind of call that soul. Right? It's, yeah. it's, it's different than ego. It's different than the me. It's different than the I. It's, it's a just falsely something. constructed self. Yeah. And on top of that, I've been able to build uh, a self that is a, a healthier ego that is able to be in relationship that is a little bit more interpenetrable, that isn't so brittle. Yeah. It doesn't get angry so quickly. It's able to look at my emotions and recognize that, you know, my emotions are going to pass. It's like, I feel really feel really angry right now but that's going to be different in like 10 minutes yeah (laughs) um and my love for myself my love for my wife my love for the world is going to still be there right after that 10 minutes of anger after that 10 minutes of sadness after that half an hour of grief or even joy i mean joy if we felt joy all of the time if we didn't let joy pass through us we'd be we'd be looney tunes we'd be crazy (laughs) right that's you can't be you can't you can't do that that's not right. right So why, okay, and and I'm I'm not at all in any way, shape, or form saying you're wrong, but then why do we focus so much on the negative? Like, why is that, why does that become the default, I guess is my question. And that's a question for me, but also, like, I I lean kind of on your experience and your expertise because I kind of feel like you just said what I'm thinking. Like, why does, why does the negativity always become the default like why can't we focus on the joy and why can't we focus Mm -hmm. more on the things that we should be able to appreciate in our lives why is it always the things that we don't have and the things that we want and the things that we are not that becomes the focus how long is this how long is this podcast is this going to be like a joe rogan six hour (laughs) podcast no no No, i mean we i mean we're we're about 25 minutes in but i i mean i i my episodes range from 45 minutes to an hour and and i didn't have anything else planned for this episode because i i really felt like you had a lot based on our our previous discussion i really felt like you had a lot to offer and and i already told you you know i i like to to interact with people who maybe have a a a different 
perspective than me or definitely have something to offer that I'm trying to learn. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. So I, I mean, I think, I think we focus. So when you say, do, why do we focus on the negative so much as you mean, are you, are you saying, why do we let it affect us and why do we, or why are we trying to get out of it, trying to get away from it so much? Or what do you, I, what do you mean? I think, I think it, it, it is the default for most people to recognize the negative more than the positive. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. I like yeah. that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because yeah. I'm I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. It's like, man, today fucking sucked. Like but the flip side is like, okay, we last week, you know, and and I I say today fucking sucked. I'm I'm talking about actually today like at my yeah. day job, it was a kind of a shitty morning like but at the same time, I'm outside. I'm working in 50 degree weather. Got to take my coat off. I got to take my hat off. I wasn't freezing outside. Everybody was in a good mood around me for the most part. But like some of the stuff that I had to deal with was just really frustrating. And it just kind of turned my day to shit, or at least yeah. I felt like it at the time. So why do we focus on the negative as opposed to being appreciative for the positive? Yeah. That is a yeah. human default, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Um, I know. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean no, to it's good. That all in you. No, I, I think, I, I mean, I think we get, so for one thing, just as a, as a biologist, as a natural historian, you know, one of the things is probably we're all a little bit wired to focus on what's going wrong as a way to survive. Right. It's like, if you're a chimpanzee and it's all good all the time, you might not notice the snake or the panther. Like right. You gotta, you gotta be heads up. You gotta be a little bit on your toes. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But, and I also think that we probably all got rewarded emotionally in our early childhood when we expressed discomfort, right? Like a baby cries and it gets held if it's in a good family, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even and think about that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and at some point you're like, Three and you're like throwing a tantrum on the floor and you're not getting the attention that you used to get when you were one and a half. So yeah. what do you do? You throw a harder tantrum. And eventually somebody pays attention to you. And eventually somebody pays attention to you or you figure out you some stop. way to self-soothe or whatever. Right. Um, but I think the, the really difficult part about, about an emotional life is just, it is all transitory and, James Hillman talks about this in, in his book, he, um, and it's all about male psychology. And he says that for whatever reason, men get stuck in an emotion so that it becomes a mood. Okay. Rather than letting the emotion go by. Yeah. And this is something I've learned to do this through studying nonviolent communication and just being able to have that self-awareness to notice an emotion. And it was something that I tell I tell the story in my TED talk about TEDx talk um, about dating my wife. And I only, I only got married a few years ago, I'm 56. So I came to it late, but I came to it after a lot of practice. So I, I'd screwed up a lot of times. So I was ready. Finally. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but about a month into the, maybe two months into the relationship with my wife, I stopped responding right away to her texts. I stopped calling her right back. I kind of started putting a little distance between us. And I was able to go inside and figure out what was going on. And I just called her up and I'm like, I know that I've been, you know, giving you a little distance and I'm just scared. 
I'm just scared of this intimacy. I'm scared of what this might turn into. I'm scared of how wonderful it is. I'm scared yeah. about being more vulnerable. And she, bless her heart, she didn't try and fix me. She didn't try and make me feel better. She didn't try and explain it away. Or, and she also didn't bail, right? Because another response would have been just like, I'm out. This guy doesn't have it. Right. This, guy's, this guy's not ready for me. Yeah. She just said, she just said, okay. And oh my, my heart just opened up. My right. heart just like, this is a safe place for me to be however I need to be. Right. And she became part of that ground underneath the ground. Mm-hmm. So when that's, you, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just going to say, when you, when you feel that, that, I mean, I, I like the fact that she didn't try to uh, fix it. She didn't try to explain it away. She didn't try and reassure you or comfort you, which I think a lot of people, and, and I can include myself in this, a lot of people would almost expect. And it's almost like, I think initially, if if she had, if I had had the same conversation with my wife, and she just said okay, I think initially I would be taken aback. I'd be like, well, wait, wait, what? Why? Why isn't she trying to reassure me? Like, th- this is what I expect other people to do when I when I express doubt or discomfort. I expect other people to reassure me. So why isn't she? But I think it's I think it it's important. I think it was important, especially for you, and in, in the sense that you felt okay, she's going to take me or leave me, regardless of like she's going to take me regardless of which way I swing on this thing. So that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And then yeah. then it was just like okay, perfect. Yeah. So no, that's awesome, man. I I'm I'm really that's that's a good story. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So if we can, I mean, I've learned to to treat my emotions like a leaf going by you know, on the, on the stream, I've got a partner who's willing to support me in that. Yeah. She, I mean, I'm really volatile, Matt. I, you all can tell on this podcast already. I got a lot of emotions. I feel joy really strongly. I feel anger really strongly. I feel disappointment and fear really strongly. I do too. Yeah. I'm the same way. And I think, I think I, uh, I think I got used to being really guarded, um, and hiding a lot of that from military because that's, yeah. you cannot be, you cannot be an emotive individual in the military and be successful. Yeah. Um, it just, they don't, they don't go well together. Part of the whole process is molding you into the same as the next guy so that when you go to war, yeah. which inevitably is going to happen for, uh, I would say at least 50% of the military is going to see an active war zone at some point in their career. Wow, that high. Wow. Well, maybe not so much now but the last decade yeah pretty much yeah we've been so in, we've been at war for a long time yeah so i mean um but as things are winding down that may not be the case anymore but uh yeah i mean at some point you're 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 likely to see a war zone or at least a hazardous danger area and so if you yield to your emotions and you can't figure out how to keep those in check and kind of keep those under wraps yeah you know the guy next to you can't the guy or girl next to you doesn't necessarily know if they can trust you to watch their back. Right. You might, right. you might have a breakdown or you might right. freak out or you might run. So yeah. that's, that's part of that. That's part of that mental training. Uh, this, good goes or bad. This, this goes back to what we we're talking about, about boundaries, right? The, the, right. the interior boundary is one of containment. So when I say I feel everything really intensely, it doesn't necessarily mean that I act on everything I feel. Yeah. And I do my best not to make 
my fear, my anger, my, even my joy, anybody else's business. Right. And when I can show that I can express emotion, because you also need to know, you need to know the truth about it. You need to know if you're going to really have my back and I'm really going to have your back. You need to know that I'm not faking it all the time. Right. Right. So you need to know when I'm scared, but you need to know that I'm going to contain it and, and do it anyway. Yeah. You need to know what brings me joy and contentment so that you understand why I'm like smiling at that flower or whatever it is, and, <laughs> but know that I'm going to keep going. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a way to build, to build trust. And yeah. this is something that we do at Mankind Project and with Boys to Men is that every meeting starts with a check-in where we go around the whole group and say our name and what we're feeling. So my All name's right. Charles. I'm feeling curious. As there's Ben, he's feeling sad. We don't, we're not interested in the story. We don't need any story about why Ben is feeling sad or why Charles is feeling curious. It's just like, what are you feeling? Yeah. And then we can normalize that expression of emotions and notice that they don't take over the whole group. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I actually like that. Yeah. I, might, I might have to look into getting involved. I, I'm going to talk to you more about this afterwards. And, and yeah. actually, I probably will... We'll probably talk a little bit more about that for anybody else who wants to get involved with yeah. the, the boys to men uh, program. I think that's, and, that's I, and I encourage any, any men out there to, as, as to find some places where you can do that, where you can check in with other people, maybe even without them knowing that you're doing some big ceremony say, Yeah, to check in with your friends and say, Hey Matt, how are you doing? Matt might say, Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm like, no man, like really what's, you know, what's going on with you these days? Yeah. And I want to, ch- I want, I want to check in with you too. I want to let you know that I'm feeling really excited about the relationship to be able to have those kinds of conversations that aren't just about sports and why they're all the sports that are awesome. Um, you know, to be able to, to have a check in, to check in with your wife, to check in with your kid, check in yeah. with your cat, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, and it, like you said, it kind of leads itself to, to building that trust and, and especially with, within your, uh, your your own household, uh, deepening those intimate relationships, your wife, your kids, you know, what have you. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, look, I I want to talk. Uh, I had a couple of questions. So, you've got a book coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that because yeah. I when you you told me the title the last time we talked, and I'm really interested in what that's going to bring. Oh, great. Talk to me yeah. more about it. I'll be curious what you think about it. Yeah. So the title is Redefining Strength, and it's it's uh, it's basically going to be a picture book. Okay. So, so the idea behind it, the idea that I feel really strongly in me, Matt, is that when I'm when I experience being vulnerable, when I experience um, being sad, or even letting go to grief, or when I experience mentoring somebody else and lifting them up instead of me being the center of attention, all those things that sort of the old way of defining strength would label as weak, right? Yeah. Like letting somebody else take the lead, that's weak. Uh, being vulnerable is weak. Crying is weak. Grief is weak. But what I feel in my body when I do those things is I feel burly. I feel yeah. strong. I feel powerful. Yeah. And I, you know, I've talked to some other men and women about this, and they are all feeling the same way, and, and people are beginning to say things like vulnerability is strength. Um, you know, uh, women and men are being able to value uh, men who can be emotional, who can be available, who can be, um, you know, nothing makes a, nothing makes a woman happier than seeing a man holding a baby. Right. 
or a kitten. I mean, how many like calendars out there with like firefighters <laughs> holding kittens, right? Or a cute little puppy. <laughs> or a cute little puppy. Absolutely. So the, the book is Redefining Strength. And what we're going to do is combine 52 sort of strength is. So strength is vulnerability. Strength is balance. Strength is allowing your own brokenness. Strength is giving to others. And we're going to be pairing each one of those with a photo from uh, a couple of local photographers awesome. in my town so that, that, that really uh, that bring it to the fore. So um, I'll even, I don't know if you have, do you have a, do you have a show notes page or anything like that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'll, send, a, I'll send you, yeah. I'll send you a couple of the images that you can use. So yeah, like, there's a awesome. picture, there's a picture they have of a, uh, a rodeo cowboy who's about to get on a, uh, a bronc and he's, he's down on his knees praying. And yep. it's just, I mean, it looks burly. Like that dude yeah. is burly. He's, yeah. he's given himself over. He's being vulnerable. I'm not a very religious person, but he is giving him, he's giving his future to a higher power. Yeah. And like, you know, help me, help me get on this, help me get on this frog and not, not die. You know, he's got the, right. got the chest plate on so he doesn't get crushed and all this. So, yeah. you know, we know, we know instinctively that those things that men have been doing for thousands of years, um, being vulnerable, being present for their families, um, sacrificing themselves, letting their egos be small so that somebody else can rise up, asking questions, being curious. A lot of those things get downplayed in, in toxic masculinity, right? Toxic masculinity yeah. says you're not supposed to ask questions. You're supposed mm -hmm. to know everything. You're supposed to be the smartest person in the room. You and I were talking about that before yeah. we started recording. Yeah. Uh, and healthy masculinity says not knowing is okay. Yeah. Asking questions shows how confident you are. Mm -hmm. being vulnerable shows that you know that there's the ground underneath the ground that's going to boo you up. Yep. Expressing soft emotions means that you are going to live longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think there's, I think there's statistics that show that, you know, men who, who can't, or, well, there, look, there's a lot of studies out there and I, I don't care who you yeah. are. Like, you can probably find a study to support whatever your point of view is, but I, I know that there's a lot of studies that have been done, not specifically with men, but with people in general about some of the things about like uh, human physical contact and how it's yeah. absolutely necessary for survival. Yeah. Um, and in releasing your emotions in, in a healthy uh, collective or collected manner, um, prevents stress buildup and the and the buildup of the stress hormone was it cortisol yeah um yeah. which leads to early death based yeah. on the consequences that it built like that it creates inside your body so yeah i totally get and understand all of that and i like the way that you defined or i guess i like the way that you kind of cleared up the difference between toxic masculinity and healthy masculinity because i think people get the wrong impression when the phrase toxic masculinity is thrown around. And I know I did because I know the very first time that we talked, I, you know, there was some things that I had in my mind as far as like, well, why, why does masculinity have to be toxic? Well, it's not. First of all, um, like there is a concept of masculinity that is that, that I consider toxic. Yeah. Um, and that's that aggressive. That's that, that's that closed off that, that, I don't doggy think dog, right. doggy dog, doggy dog, win, lose. There's not a, right. there's, there's not enough pie to go around for everybody. Right. Uh, I got to make sure somebody's less than me so that I can be more than. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, I think that there is, I mean, I will say that my personal belief is I think that, that 
that some amount of healthy competition does breed success in individuals. So I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily like eliminate competition altogether, but at the same time, like it doesn't have to be me or them. It's like, why can't we both win in our own way? Yeah. Like, so, so I, I really like the way that you reframed that because um, I think it's important for men out there to understand that it's not, being a man and it's not masculinity in general that is toxic it is traits of masculinity when combined together and ex- outwardly expressed is when it becomes toxic but 100%. a lot of it also a lot of a lot of it also i think has to do with the individual because sure. masculinity by itself doesn't isn't necessarily toxic but the individual may be toxic right right um i mean a great example is somebody like john cena right like that dude, that dude was a pro wrestler. Right. Massive, massive guy. Right. Looks like a, looks like a, a looks like he's got Mount Rushmore for a head. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's just massive. Right. And, and he used to throw people around. He got yeah. paid to throw people around and to act out this, this uh, kind of hyper masculinity, hyper physicality. Yeah. And he's just a sweetheart. Yeah. And you see him doing kids movies all the time, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the rock. The rock is the same way, right? These, yeah, these, these guys that are just huge and could be really intimidating, and are confident enough to not have to be intimidating to wear a dress or whatever it is. But I, I think, think that I think the number. Yeah, I think the number one mistake that men make is the idea that there's one masculine. Well, not only that, but you just touched on it, and you said it, and I think it is perfect because I I didn't even think about it until you just said it. But the confidence, they are confident enough in who they are as a person that they don't have to be this outwardly boisterous individual that that exhibits these toxic masculine traits. And I think that's a lot of it. I think we yeah. need to be confident in who we are and what we do. And that will allow us to live these these healthy masculine traits, being vulnerable, being right. able to ask those questions, not having to be the smartest person in the room and recognizing that other perspectives and other points of view really matter. And that's what helps us grow as individuals. So it gives us freedom. And this is what I want for men so much. I want men to feel free to be who they really are. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is another example, right? Bodybuilder, tough guy, was in all the Terminator movies. Ah, Arnold, I'm right. going to kill you, right? What is he doing now? The dude is like raising miniature horses that come in and out of his house and he kisses them. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's his authentic masculinity, right? That that's I it. don't really want to kiss a, a mini horse. That's not my thing. Don't really want him in the house, but that is his version of masculinity. And I'm hundred percent. Right. I will go, you know, I will go to war to, to preserve Arnold's right to be masculine in that way. I will go to war to, to allow Billy Porter to wear a big fucking black and white dress on the on the 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 carpet going into the the Emmy Awards or the or the Academy Awards, like that is masculinity. Yeah, you know how I show up is masculinity. How you show up is masculinity, and if we can come together as men and do that for one another, be like, I'm here for you, Matt. However you show up, I'm not going to put you in a box. I'm not going to make you act a particular way that then I can stamp as that's manly enough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to call you a pussy. I'm not going to ask if you're really a man. I'm not going to yeah. tell you to man up, man. You yeah. tell me, you tell me what your masculinity is. 
and what's crazy is there's so much of that bullshit man up man mm-hmm. you know fucking let your let your balls drop and or get your balls back from your woman and and act like act like you're supposed to like there's so much of that yeah. shit especially i mean it, it go it, I, i'm not in any way shape or form trying to dime out the military but it is so prevalent there uh and the work okay so here's here's the thing that got me right so some of the worst offenders are female and this is where this is where i like it just floored me when the first time i was like seriously you're gonna really that's how it okay so i mean it just floored me because like i understand that we're gonna get shit like that from other men from time to time men that i don't think are enlightened in terms of being okay with being who you are but then we have women on the other side of the coin that you know i just it's it's just not something i would have expected i guess it's, it's weird isn't it it's, it's it unexpected is. yeah yeah but it's yeah. so prevalent I, I don't know if it, i don't know if i don't even know if it's like because it's so prevalent i don't know if it was like their way to feel like they fit in to the the primarily masculine culture that is the military or they truly just believed like hey listen like fucking man up already like take a knee drink water stop bitching quit crying get back out there and fucking do it like that's the attitude and it, and yeah. it, and coming from coming from a female it, it really threw me for a loop but it was yeah. just like uh, okay what am i going to do about it like yeah i guess i'm going to do exactly what she told me to do <laughs> have some water and get on with it yeah I, right. you know it it is really confounding it's really confusing when somebody from you know the the out group gets into the in group whether it's uh you know maybe an african american guy on an all white firefighting unit or or even you know even as a cop or a, or a woman in in a in a corporate boardroom or whatever that's almost all male yeah you think about those they have to put on the uniform of of you know what works in those environments you yeah. can imagine like can you imagine if you're like if you're about to puke by the side of the, the the trail in this march you're you're hot you're overheated you don't have enough water and, and a female soldier like stops to like pat you on the back and comfort you like what is that going to do to the two of you in a hyper masculine hyper toxic environment you're right. both screwed right right so she's yeah. got to over she's got to overperform masculinity in order to in order to just just to, just to tread water right just to like right yeah yeah, I can't I, even. I, I can't I, even imagine being a woman in a military unit. That's that's. Uh, I totally understand oof. when you put it that way. I totally understand because, yeah, like I might catch some shit for for bending over and puking on the side of the march. But if she comes over and pats me on the back, she's like, "Hey, you okay?" Now she's doubly fucked because the entire unit's going to look at her differently. Yeah. They may not look at me differently because, like, you know. I mean, okay, oh, they'll so be like, oh, Matt needs his mama. Matt needs yeah. his mama right. now. Right. Yeah. But that shit will pass for me, <laughs> but it won't pass for her. Like she will forever be labeled yeah. with that. Like she will forever be burdened with that for as long as she is in that unit. So n- like looking at it from the other side, I understand. Like I, and it's funny because you, you just said it and I didn't think about that aspect of it until you just said it. So Again, like this is this is why having a group of other 
perspectives or or somebody from another like this is how we grow guys like yeah. I, I cannot yeah. i cannot stress this enough if you surround yourself constantly with people that only think the exact same way that you do and cannot bring something fresh to the table like you will not grow as an individual and I'll, and I'll be honest and vulnerable to your audience too, Matt. Like when you and I first talked, I was like, I didn't want anything to do with you. I thought you thought too differently than me. I thought I was going to have to convince you of a bunch of stuff. I didn't feel confident enough in my own thoughts and abilities to, I didn't feel like I had the energy to, to blah, 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 all this bullshit that I was telling myself. Yeah. So when you leaned in, you didn't stop having the conversation. You could have hung up on me and been like, yeah, this guy's an ass. Um, so I just want to say to your audience, like, just to agree with what you just said, that when we're in relationship together, um, when there, there's at least two men or two people willing to, to breathe through the hard stuff, to, to acknowledge each other's humanity, to acknowledge each other's, you know, good ideas, bad ideas, whatever they are. Right. Willing to say, okay, when somebody says I'm scared or I'm joyful, or I don't get what you just said, you're a weirdo. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I mean, like, I think, I think it's harder today for people to agree to disagree. Yeah. Like, you and I may not see eye to eye on every, every aspect that we discuss, but that's okay. That's part of what makes us, like, that, that's part of what makes us unique. And that is, I, I'm sorry, that's not something to be argued about. That's not something to hate each other for. That's something to be celebrated. Like, you are perfectly cool. fine in the perspective that you have. And I feel like I'm perfectly fine in the perspective that I have. There's may, there's there's things that I may say that you that might, you know, turn a light on for you that you've never thought of before, simply because it's coming from a different person from a different, you know, viewpoint. Like yeah, I've I have I have I have very few men in my life uh with a military background. So this is this is great for me. Well, I mean, and and I don't like I didn't spend 20 years in the military. I served six before I was medically determined, unable to serve anymore. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a battery pack implant in my back and two electrodes that go into my spine due to a, an injury from jumping out of an airplane. So I can't serve anymore. I medically, I got medically discharged. Yeah. yeah. So, Ouch. Yeah. So it was a, it was a bit of a painful and, and long experience getting all that handled. But, yeah. um, I don't have and the, any, and the plane landed perfectly fine, right? It did. <laughs> it did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, because that was that was one of the. It's funny because I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like you know, I chose the job that I chose specifically because it was considered an airborne position. I would get to jump out of airplanes. Yeah, thinking, yeah. This is going to be badass. It's not as badass once you get actually down to the brass tacks of it, like it's a lot of preparation and then a lot of anxiety before you actually step foot out of the aircraft. And then it's, it's not until that, that parachute opens where you're like, okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm, but so, no. I'm sorry you got injured. That sucks. That it sucks. does. It does. But you know what? It brought me to where I am today. And uh, I think we all experience uh, triumphs and trials um, because that's what helps define us and helps us learn and grow you know, there's no losses. There's lessons. Somebody told me that the other day. There's and I, no losses. There's lessons. Wow. Yeah. Somebody said that to me the other day and I totally, I told them I was, I'm going to steal that. Cause yep. that's a, that's yep. a real, that's a real quick, awesome idiom that we can you know, that's easily, easily shareable. So, well, look, I, hope I, I hope your audience is just really inspired to have that, that open 
attitude toward life. And it's real. it is really challenging to be open, right? Because it means we're, we're in unknowing a lot. Oh yeah. And I just, I just encourage men who are listening to just like, it's okay. It's okay. Take as much of that unknowing as you can handle. It could, it could I, be, it could be, it could be four minutes. Yeah. Right. Or it could be, it could be an eight day wilderness retreat you know, somewhere, right. somewhere in between. Who knows? Well, let that, let that unknowing be okay for you. Yeah. I think, and I, one of the things I urge is, Sorry, stupid dogs. <laughs> hey, man, it's COVID time. If there's not right. a pet, if there's not a pet on the podcast or a baby on the Zoom call, did right? It even, did it even really happen? Well, and I'm not even going to edit it out because I, I, you know, like this is real and authentic. That's that's as real and authentic as it can get. And I try not to hide anything. Uh, you know, I'm 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 an open book. So no, I mean, uh, going back to what I was saying, it's like, um, you know, I really urge people. I really urge my listeners. Um, like you, you gotta learn to be a little bit comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm. Like we have to, we have to learn how to redefine what our comfort zone is. Because I think if we hide in this safe space all the time, we forget to see what's out there in the world, or yeah. we fail to see what's out there in the world. You might miss an opportunity that is literally the best thing for you, simply because you're sitting in this little box that you've decided that's. That's where I'm good. That's where I'm comfortable. And yeah. at some point, sometimes that's perfectly fine. But there's times in our lives where it's like indecision, you know, indecision is still a decision in and of itself. Right. And if and if you choose not to make a move, you're choosing to stay where you're at. And choosing to stay where you're at is not a, a, a recipe for long term success in life. Yeah, that's my personal viewpoint. So I, I hope everybody, I hope everybody listening, you know, just really follows your example, man. I think that's, I think that's a great way to go about living life. It's challenging, but yeah, it's a great way to go. It is challenging, but I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but challenge is where we grow. Right? Like I'm, I'm all about personal growth. Like I, I, I don't know what happened. It was about 18 months ago. I was just like, you know what? I'm stuck. I got to figure fucking something out. So I, I just started reading, I started listening, I started talking to people, just opening myself up to things that I hadn't opened myself up to in years. And I just felt like this, this ex, like explosion of expansion in my mind. It's like, holy crap, like what have I been missing? Yeah. So now I just, I just want to share it. I just want to yeah. share it with people. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take your example. I'm going to read more, Matt, based on this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just take some of your fire into my life as well. Cause I'm not, I'm not done yet either. No, none of us are like, we're not done until we're on our deathbed. And even at that point, it's like, shit, what else can I do? <laughs> hope, hope there's some ground underneath the ground there somewhere. Right. Right. Well, yeah. look, Charles, I, it has been a true pleasure for me to have you join me today. Um, and before we go, I really want you to share with people. Can you tell our guys where they can find you at? Yeah. So one of the, one of the best ways to to find me and interact with me is on the Facebook group, Redefining Strength. So just go to Facebook, search for the Redefining Strength group, uh, join up there. We'll, we'll uh, have some conversations. You can also find me at charlesmatthews.com. That's my website and it's M-A-T-H-E-U-S. So okay. charlesmatthews.com. And then for those who, I'm not involved with uh, the Boys to Men project anymore, but if you go to Boys to Men USA, all one word, boystomenusa.org you can uh, find where the closest boys to men organization is for you and of course uh, uh mankind.org that's the mankind project right mankind project let me just double check mankindproject.org is okay. where you would find uh 
access to open groups where you can go sit with guys uh, once every week or once every two weeks and kind of start learning how to talk about your feelings and or go and do their new warrior training adventure, which is a weekend long retreat for men. It's really, really powerful and intense. Good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, shoot, Charles, one last thing I'm going to ask you to do. Um, think of something that we can challenge our listeners with to do in the next week. Something simple, but something that often men find difficult to do outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I think the number one, the number one thing is to recognize your emotions, to take a breath and even to do it when you're not sure what you're feeling. Just take a breath, have an exhale and make a guess. Maybe I'm feeling angry. It might be a wrong guess, but you're still doing awesome work by just doing a little bit of that introspection. And then the advanced version of that is trying to guess what somebody else is feeling just by looking at their clues. Like, I wonder if my wife is feeling angry. Try and figure it out before she throws in. <laughs> All right, guys. So you heard it from Charles first. Make sure you take some time to reflect with yourself. Take a few minutes of silence, do some introspection, and, and start to do some, some of that real important self-reflection. We've said it before. We'll say it again. You don't know where you're going, and you can't get where you're going until you recognize where you are and where you've been. So focus on that so you can take the next steps forward and continue making that that small incremental steps in progress in your life. Guys, thank you for joining me. Charles, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Like, uh, like Charles said, go check him out. CharlesMatthews.com. Check him out. Uh, the red feather podcast too, right? Uh, rocket feather creative rocket is, the feather. Na- is that's the name of the production company. The, the okay. podcast is the here dot together podcast. Here dot together. I am so sorry. I screwed that that's up. Okay. Okay. I got too many. I got too. I got too many irons in the fire. I got too many things going on. <laughs> Shit, I know yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna have all this on the show notes, guys. So go check these out. Make sure you hit up Charles. Take a look, and and I, as soon as I get more information about Charles's book, uh, redefining strength, it will be out in 2021. I'm gonna pass that along to you guys, and maybe we'll have Charles back on the show right after or right before that thing launches so we can talk to him a little bit more and get a little bit more in-depth about the book. So, guys, thanks for joining us today. Charles, thank you for joining me. You guys enjoy. Take care. We'll catch you on the next one.